Lord, we thank you for uh, another day, another Lord's Day. We thank you for the the snow and the sunshine here this morning. We thank you for the the food that we've enjoyed and and now this opportunity to to gather in this place to worship you, to uh, learn more of your word, to fellowship together, to sing, to pray, all these different things. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings that they are and pray that you would bless them to us and fulfill your promises among us uh, here today. Again, we ask then that you would strengthen us as we seek to, to learn some of the different skills to interpret your word more uh, carefully and uh, that you would be uh, honored and, and equip us in this way. We pray these things then in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, we've uh, um, been looking at the how to study the Bible theme here, and we've been looking at uh, some of the different genres. And of course, we've talked some about narrative, we've talked some about epistles. And we've talked some about uh, the poetic elements, uh, genres. Of course, we spent a lot of time on that because of our study in the Psalms. And um, most recently then, we've been talking about parables. And (coughs) the definition of a parable basically is a short story to make a point, some theological, moral, religious point. Um, The point is usually found in the context in some way, Um, maybe the first verse, maybe the last one, maybe even right in the middle, but usually it's it's found there. We need to look for it. Now, if there's a compilation of parables together, maybe you have to go back 30 verses or something like that, but it's it's usually there in the context. And the main... um, Um, I guess, skill, if you will, here for interpreting parables carefully is we're looking for one main point. Don't read into all the details. The details help us to come to the main point. Um, The only exception to that, really, is if Jesus uh, permits us to do it. And in particular, we'll see an interpretation of the parable. All right, so we move then now to Proverbs. So like um, these earlier ones, there are some unique things that we need to keep in mind in order to interpret them the way God intended them. Um, And so again, I'll use the analogy that I've used before. If you read the comic section with a front page article mindset, you're going to miss the point. If you read the sports section in the way that you would read an opinion article, you're going to miss the point. So it's, it's the same kind of thing here. When we come to these different genres, we don't have a comic section in the Bible or a sports section. But we have the same idea that each one of these genres we, we need to approach in a particular way if we're going to interpret them the way God intended. And so as we come here now to the Proverbs, um, it's, they're actually very similar to parables. You might remember that I said briefly that some people will define a parable as a short proverb. Well, now the opposite is true. 
Sometimes people will call Proverbs a short parable. And uh, short, usually one verse, maybe two verses, um, though, of course, the beginning of Proverbs and the, the, all the Proverbs associated with wisdom is right, quite lengthy. But, but the individual Proverbs typically are rather short. And you typically have some kind of story inherent in the proverb. And it's obviously not developed like a parable is, but nevertheless, it, it calls to mind a certain image um, in, in life. And um, uh, you'll often hear people then also say that uh, Proverbs are applications of the Ten Commandments in everyday life. So we have the broad principles of the Ten Commandments, right? You shall not steal, you shall not kill, and you know, murder, and so on and so forth. And so these then give some specific ways that that principle is, is worked out in, in, in everyday life. And so you'll you often hear uh, commentaries and, and, and pastors and such use that kind of language. Um, <clears throat> now, as for Proverbs here, more specifically, <clears throat> it uh, is a definition you sometimes will hear is a timeless statement about life. Which makes sense if they're going to apply the Ten Commandments, and those are timeless. So a timeless, timeless statement about life. Um, some will define it this way, a general statement of truth. Or again, to fit it in with some of what I've just said, a general application of the Ten Commandments in everyday life. Okay. Like a parable, Proverbs have one primary idea. So, like parables, let's be careful we don't read into all the details. Those details help us to understand the main point. Now, it's, it's a little bit easier with a parable, uh, excuse me, with a proverb, because they're shorter. <laughs> with parables, with lots more details, we're, we're tempted to, to run down the paths of the details. Um, it's, it's not quite as tempting with proverbs, but the, the temptation is there. And so as we put all that together, um, we're looking for one main point, and the point is to apply the Ten Commandments in everyday life. It's a timeless statement. It's a general statement. And so sometimes the Proverbs uh, don't apply in every situation. In fact, uh, some will argue that most of the Proverbs do not apply in every situation. So let's look at a few uh, examples in that way. And so let's turn um, to chapter 23 here first in Proverbs. Now I think it goes without saying there are Proverbs in other parts of the Bible. Um, but obviously the book of Proverbs is going to be our focus here. So chapter 23 here in Proverbs. Now, we could, I could, and um, others, we could obviously pick all kinds of examples here. I just picked um, four of them. So chapter 23 and verses 13 and 14. Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. 
All right, now, I'll say more about this here in a little bit, but do you see the parallelism? The first verse, verse 13, is then uh, echoed in verse 14. So, um, do not withhold correction from a child, then goes with, you shall beat him with a rod. So the first one is the negative, right? Do not withhold. And then you have the positive, you shall beat with a rod. And then your second line in verse 13, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. And then note how the second line of verse 14 says, and deliver his soul from hell. So the you will not die corresponds with hell. So if you beat him with a rod, he won't go to hell is the basic idea, right? He won't die eternally, um, but uh, will be saved is the implication. Now, is that always true? The point I'm trying to make at this point in our discussion is, is it always true? Is this a general principle? Well, yeah, it's a general principle. But I think it's safe to say that Abraham beat Ishmael at times when he was a kid, but he's in hell. Uh, I, I think it's probably safe to say that David got out the rod with Absalom when he was a kid, but I don't expect Absalom to be in heaven. So there are exceptions to this principle. Um, and so that's how we need to approach it. These are general truths. And so, yes, we should discipline our children. Corporal punishment has a place. Of course, in our culture today, you, know, you could get in trouble if you did it in public. Um, but there is uh, certainly a place for corporal punishment. Um, we can certainly punish our children in other ways too. But the general principle simply is if you discipline your child, good things will result. But there are exceptions to that. So um, the main point I'm trying to make at this juncture here is just the exceptions. Yes? Well, certainly other passages would say that. Um, some I, say that, well, that's a to like, really, really, Right. Yeah. yeah. Beat the tar out of them or something, yeah. huh? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I looked at this in the Hebrew, but it's been long enough that I don't remember specifically it. I have to double check which word is used there. Um, but certainly we can say from the context of Scripture that, you know, we're, we're supposed well, yeah, to love our children, too. <laughs> right. And we're not to do, th- right, we're not to do things out of anger. And so you know, all those things would factor in. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd have to double check on the word itself. Uh, uh, Michelle. Well, fair enough. 
I'm thinking of when he was a child. I think it probably is safe to say David did some of that. But as an adult, he definitely did not. And that, uh, yes, I would agree with that part. Um, I'm thinking more later, uh, or earlier in life, and you're emphasizing later. But Sure. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, fair point. Uh, but that was the distinction I was making, and um, yeah, yeah. If we don't uh, punish adults for their sin, it <laughs> can be very problematic too. <laughs> yes, Sam, were you going to say something? Well, and that fits with the the point I'm trying to make here is that there are exceptions. But the more consistent we are, the less exceptions we we will see with this principle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, David was um, even here in Psalm 110, remember we were looking at 1 Kings and he said, Solomon, you need to put so-and-so to death. (laughs) It's like, well, David, why didn't you do it? Um, he seemed to have a heart of grace, but sometimes that heart of grace, can you say, prevented him from being just? Um, so, yeah. Let's look at another example here. Let's turn to chapter 29. Again, the, the, the point that I'm trying to make right now is this is a general statement of truth. So, chapter 29, and uh, again, we could put, pick many examples. Verse 23. Verse 23. A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. All right, that is a general principle. Is it always true that a prideful man will be brought low? Now, you might say, in the end, he will be brought low. But what about during the time of his pride? Um, Maybe you think we had the election this week, and we had a lot of very boastful, prideful people saying, vote for me here over the last uh, number of months. Um, some of them were not brought low. In fact, some of the humble in spirit were brought low through the election cycle. 
So ultimately, they're going to be brought low. Right? They're going to be judged by God. They're going to be cast into hell. He's going to bring them down, and the humble in spirit will be honored. Um, but in the middle of it, and maybe even for several years, it isn't necessarily the case. So the principle here is, yes, if you're going to be prideful, then right, pride goes before a fall, as another proverb would say. Right? And in the end, that's going to happen, but it may not happen right away. So, again, our point here is we're looking for a general principle. And the general principle is clearly true, but sometimes it's not always applied, at least not immediately, um, in this case. All right, yes, Susan. <clears throat> As you were talking, I was reminded even of Psalm 1 and the principle of blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. Well, that's a general principle. It doesn't always apply in the immediate setting, but ultimately it does. Um, and so it's similar in that, in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, and some of the points you're raising add to the challenges of interpreting Proverbs. Um, and because one does seem to contradict another sometimes, or at least... They're emphasizing a different aspect of the same topic. Um, yeah. Now, in these two that we've looked at, uh, I didn't mention it with the previous one, but, but here, do you see the inherent story in these short words? Okay, for the last one, we're talking about parenting, right? So you immediately think of a parent and a child. You think of a rod or switch or, you know, whatever it is that you use there. Here, for this one... Um, uh, the, the, the prideful man and the humble spirit and so forth, you immediately think of those kind of people. And I immediately thought of the election and the politicians. And so, you know, you can apply it in, in different settings. Um, but there's this inherent story that comes out in the proverb. Certainly it's not developed like a parable. <laughs> but nevertheless, you see an inherent story in this. So let's turn to another one. Let's turn back to chapter 22. All right, the, the last one here, verse 29. All right, now, let me pause and just say this. Uh, some parables have two lines, some have three, some have four, and that often, when that's the case, it's two verses. Um, here's one at three lines. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. All right, now if we're going to break this down, the first line stands by itself, and the next two are in parallel. 
Right? You see uh, the parallelism there. He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. We would call this antithetic parallelism. But nevertheless, it, both lines are basically saying the same thing. <clears throat> and that's, you have to be careful of making general extreme statements here, but typically when you have three lines, one stands on its own and the other two are in parallel. Um, so that's what we see here. All right, so again, you see the image there. You have a person, you have a hard worker, you have kings, and so this image is brought uh, to mind here just from these few words. All right, now again, the point I'm trying to make at this juncture is, is this always true? Do hard workers always become leaders along with kings and presidents and, you know, senators or whatever? No. Sometimes the hard worker is overlooked. Sometimes the hard worker is, is uh, rejected because it makes everybody look like lazy bums. So, but the general principle is certainly true, isn't it? If you're going to work hard, usually you're going to be rewarded. And the people in power and, and so forth are going to say, hey, look, look at this guy. This person works hard. So um, Naylene mentioned Nathaniel just a moment ago. Uh, he has worked hard in his jobs. And you know, from working hard at Wendell August, he got the job at Pizza Joe's. And working hard at Wendell August, they've asked him to stay and work, even not go back to college. Um, and so the, the working hard, you usually are going to be rewarded. People appreciate it. But that's not always true. <laughs> and that's the point that I'm trying to make. Proverbs are general principles. And, uh, and, and I'm emphasizing the exceptions because that's the point I'm trying to make. Um, but obviously we want to focus on the main point uh, in, in the proverb. All right, comments or questions here on, on this idea? I'd be interested in the original language on that first line. My translation says skillful. Hmm, excels in his work. Yeah, I looked at this one too. Let's see, I believe it was, um, yeah, it's been long enough. I'd have to go back and look, but. Yeah, yeah. Guess I should have brought my computer with me. I uh, I have it on the back a computer, but it's recording. I don't want to <laughs> unplug it at the moment. But um, if I remember correctly, that there is a bit of paraphrasing going on here, and the um, New King James says excels in his work. I, you have the ESV, right? So. Um, skillful in his work. Uh, if I remember correctly, um, it's it's a bit of a paraphrasing of what the Hebrew says there. But I'd have to go back again and, and look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, my, that's what mine says too. Prompt in his business. Well, I I think either way you go with it, the idea is pretty straightforward, right? does a good job, and, and usually you're going to be rewarded if you do a good job. Uh, 
but not always. <laughs> like the person who gets really good grades, uh, well, it throws the curve, and some people get upset at them. <laughs> so uh, they're, they're, the, the Proverbs are a general statement of truth. Um, all right, now, <clears throat> any other comments or questions before we continue? All right, so um, a couple other kind of general things here, and I've touched on some of it already, uh, but this point I haven't mentioned specifically uh, it, uh, here this morning, and that is it's not uncommon for us in the Proverbs to see a lot of poetic elements. Now, I've mentioned uh, the parallelism, but it's not uh, unusual to find other figures of speech. And so whether it's a simile or a metaphor or synecdoche or metonymy, remember some of the terms that we've, we've looked at. Remember synecdoche is a part for the whole and metonymy is a substitution of one term for another. Um, so <clears throat> uh, all those things we talked about in regard to figures of speech, you can see them here. These are, this isn't poetry in the same way we've seen in the Psalms. But there are elements of poetry in a proverb. And so uh, we uh, will often see those things. And then what we've already seen here thus far is some parallelism. And in the proverbs, you have typically one or the other. You have the synthetic or the antithetic. Now, sometimes it's just straight synonymous. And both lines or all three lines or whatever say that basically the same thing but most of the time it's going to be synthetic so it's it rhymes the idea it's very similar but it's different enough that we would call it synthetic <clears throat> and then the other common one is antithetic <clears throat> and we saw an example of that you have a positive statement and then you have the opposite negative statement uh, given so very very typical here for proverbs um, what we see at the beginning of proverbs about wisdom doesn't necessarily have parallelism, um, but uh, most of them in the rest of the book have it uh, in one way or another. All right, so with that in mind, typically um, uh, when you hear people break down the uh, Proverbs, they break them into three categories, where the proverb is basically saying the same thing in successive lines. And then, the second category, you have Proverbs, they say the opposite. Okay, so the good man, whatever, the evil man, whatever, or something to that effect. And again, those typically are going to have the antithetic parallelism. And then, the third category, um, I'll just summarize it this way is uh, the longer Proverbs. And uh, especially at the beginning of Proverbs, we see that with wisdom and the father teaching his son and so forth. Um, but some, um, some will include in this category those that are two or three verses, not just the longer ones. So it kind of depends on, on who you read and so on. All right, so <clears throat> uh, hence, leaving Proverbs till now, we talk about it after parables and talk about it after we've done so the poetic elements so that we can better understand 
uh, Proverbs. All right, any comments or questions thus far? Well, let's look at some examples here of those that are the same. And again, we could pick many different examples here. Let's turn to chapter 20 and verse 1. All right, somebody read chapter 20, verse 1 for us. Wine is a mocker, strong drink, a brawler, and whoever is, what does your say, intoxicated by it? Uh, New King James says, whoever is led astray by it is not wise. All right. Now, I, I said just a moment ago that it's common when you have three lines that you have uh, two of them that are in parallel. Okay, so which two are in parallel? Yeah, the first two, yeah. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler. So what kind of parallelism is this? Is it synonymous? Is it synthetic? Antithetic? What's the one where it furthers the idea? Synthetic. Okay, that's what I was saying. Okay. All right. Did somebody else say something here? Okay, um, I, I think that's true. This one's kind of a debate. Synonymous, they're very similar, um, but it does seem to be advancing the thought here. Wine is a mocker. Uh, you could translate that word as scoffer. Uh, so think of Psalm 1, for example, the, the, the unbeliever who's a scoffer, the wicked. Um, and so wine um, scoffs at you. Um, strong drink leads you to get into fights. Okay, there's synonymous ideas with those two things, but it does seem to advance it to um, a different idea to some degree. Um, so hence, I would, I would say it's synthetic as well. Um, but again, notice, in this case, first two are in parallel, and then you have the, the last line here, whoever is led astray by it or intoxicated by it is not wise. All right, now actually um, in the Hebrew, it's switched around. It's mocker, a mocker is wine, a brawler is strong drink. So it, it puts that at the beginning to emphasize it to some degree. Um, <clears throat> all right, so what's the main general principle here in this proverb? Too much of it is not wise. Now, of course, you have the, the uh, teetotalers and so forth and abstinence kind of people say, well, don't do it at all, um, which isn't necessarily a bad position, but um, responsibility and, and moderation is, is certainly also a position that we can have from this verse. So... Um, <clears throat> Now, again, do you see the image that comes to mind? 
right? Maybe you think of a bar. Maybe you think of people who are alcoholics or something, and uh, maybe people you know and your extended family or whatever. Um, and uh, maybe you think of beer commercials, you know, whatever. You can. This image comes to mind from um, from this proverb, and so wine often then scoffs at you, right? How many times do you hear, well, wine's good for you. <laughs> it helps you from getting sick. Um, it helps your, what is it, your heart or something in particular? I forget. Yes, yeah, that's, that's right. Red wine, right? So, uh, uh, but <clears throat> um, too much of it, it's just going to scoff at you. It's going to mock you. Um, and, of course, strong drink often leads to... to to fights. Um, yep, very unwise decision making. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, um, <clears throat> we had a full day yesterday, and so I, I recorded a couple of the, the college football games. And, and, you know, you can do that and get through a game in, like, under an hour. <laughs> it's kind of nice. Anyway, um, and maximize my time. But anyway, at one point, I was doing something. And so I was not fast-forwarding from one play to the next. And uh, they were showing all these people in the crowd, and, you know, they're up there with their you know, cups of beer and rah-rah shooting, you know, uh, shouting and so forth. And, uh, and I thought <clears throat> of this verse. Um, I, I wonder how much drink uh, impacted the uh, field goal posts ending up in the river after Tennessee beat Alabama <laughs> uh, here the other week. Um, and tearing up the, the field and so on. It leads to unwise behavior. Uh, and certainly that's very true in our culture. All right. Well, let's look at uh, another one here. Maybe we'll run out of time here after this one. But uh, let's turn over to chapter 22. All right, somebody read this one for us, please. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. Okay, all right. All right, so um, do we have parallelism in this proverb? I see a few people nodding their heads. Which, which would you say this one is? Synonymous, synthetic, what's that? Okay, um, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. Now, obviously, you have great riches going with silver and gold. Good name, loving favor. Hey, yeah, I, I think that's probably true. Some might argue it's synonymous, but they're they're very similar. Uh, I should say synthetic, but but they're very similar. And and so you'll have debates on you know how much distinction, but. Yeah, it's, it's very similar. Um, in the Hebrew, actually, there's chiasm here. 
Um, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And then literally, uh, rather than silver and gold, loving favors. It switches it around uh, in the Hebrew there. So you have some chiasm going on here. Unfortunately, the, at least the New King James doesn't bring that out. I don't know how the ESV did it there. but um, So it misses some of that poetical element. To this one, New King James? Okay. All right. So do you see the image brought out of this? What do we think of here? What Like a broader image and kind of story, if you will, from this verse, this proverb. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Obviously, Nailene gave us a specific story <laughs> to go with the image, but obviously it's fitting. Um, but just more generally, obviously you think of money and you think of somebody's um, name, his, his, uh, what people think of him or her, and uh, comparing that to the money that they have and, and so forth. But yeah, yeah. D- Susan, did I see your hand? Okay, all right. Um, all right. So, put that in a timeless general principle then. Reword this. What's the main idea here from this proverb? Yeah, Eric. Character over money. Okay. That'd be a fair way of putting it. Yeah. What people think about you as a person is more important about how much is in your portfolio or bank account or you know, whatever. Um, there's nothing wrong with riches. But a good name is better. Yes? I think we have to move on to verse 2. Okay. I think that helps um, the rich and the poor will meet together. God's the maker of all of them. Mm-hmm. It's not just whether you're rich or not. It, mm-hmm. it is more like what Eric said. It's mm-hmm. your character that matters. Yeah, yeah. And you bring out a good point, Stan, because sometimes you go from one proverb to the next, you're like, oh, I see how that fits together. Other times you're like, I don't know if it fits together at all. <laughs> Uh, but in this case, yeah, yeah, we can see that. Yeah. So, any other comments or questions here? Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, when Jesus talked about the, the camel and the eye of the needle and all that, that was really a, a word of rebuke to those who were thinking that, well, if you have lots of riches, God's happy with you. And he's like, well, no, no, no. <laughs> so tying in with that, yeah, this, this is a, uh, can be an encouragement to those of us who are living paycheck to paycheck and, and so forth. 
And so, like Stan said, the next verse kind of ties into some of those ideas. Yeah, Susan. Yeah, and, and that's why I, I even with this, I've touched briefly on some of the, if you will, skill of it. You know, see the parallelism and figures of speech and so forth, and like I do in the Psalms and so forth. I, I touch on it. could say a thousand times more than I say, but yeah, you, you do see God's creativity and, and skill in it, uh, definitely. Not just Solomon or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I still don't understand it somehow, but the people wrote from their self, and yet God was directing what they wrote. Yeah. They weren't puppets. Right. Yeah, the mystery of inspiration. Yeah. Yes. So somehow yes. it is part of God's skill. Mm hmm. Sure. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah. All right, well, we'll have to quit here now, and uh, we'll do some more of these, Lord willing, next time. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you uh, again for your word and uh, for its beauty and its creativity here and in the context of Proverbs. Uh, We thank you, Lord, for for giving us these timeless statements that uh, apply in in, uh, much of life. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you would grow us in our our ability to interpret these things carefully uh, so that we will not uh, misuse your word. And uh, we pray that through it, um, we would not only know your word better, but then honor you and uh, that we would grow in grace uh, by your spirit. We uh, ask now again, as we come for our worship, that you would uh, be with us, that you would strengthen us. And as we've seen this this call to worship, this challenge for us to improve our worship here in Book 5, we pray that you would, would help us in that way, that we would not um, use excuses and so forth, but to um, come before you to, to, uh, to give you the worship that you deserve and uh, uh, preparing us for eternity. 
And so we pray, Lord, that you would uh, strengthen us for this, for your uh, honor and glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.